Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories. I'm your host, John, and in this episode, I'm going to be taking another look at the Principa Apocrypha, a sort of old-school-style primer with inspiration taken from Ben Milton and Stephen Lumpkin. Okay, so in our last episode, we talked a bit about what the Apophrica is designed to accomplish and how the author's hoping to get some of the enthusiasm across for the OCR and place it in a sort of historical and sort of game-style context. So, let's carry on by looking at the next principle in it, Get Them Thinking. And the author starts off by discussing XP for discovery and adversity, explaining that many old-school-style games have a direct correlation between XP earned with the value of treasure recovered, and that XP may also be granted for defeating monsters and for exploring previously unknown places. And how this is sort of like the fuel of the game's engine. Getting players to think about things in terms of risk versus reward which seems to me quite a sensible way of looking at things if you're an adventurer after all if you know that you're entering the lair of a dragon the reward the treasure hoard better be pretty great for you to take those risks or you have to think of some cunning or plan or strategy to enable you to get in and minimize those risks. We then move on to something that is often highlighted as a strength of OSR, which is player ingenuity over character ability. And the author goes on to talk about how old school PCs are often very minimalist in terms of the stats and the strange powers and stuff like that that they have. And this is partly because the idea of many old school games is that the players are meant to solve problems with their own ingenuity, their own sort of lateral thinking, rather than just with the powers that they have on their character sheet or a series of dice rolls. However, as the author says, the GMs therefore have to buy into this as well and present the players with problems that don't require vastly obscure knowledge and that can be overcome with a bit of lateral thinking and that don't just require a list of feats or powers to overcome. We move on to the next section, which is titled Cleverness Rewarded, Not Thwarted. And this is, again, talking to the GMs out there, advising you that you should always allow a little bit more leeway if the players come up with creative solutions. And that's not just to say if the players suggest something random, you have to allow it to succeed. But you should have a certain generosity of spirit if the players come up with a clever and cunning plan to bypass an obstacle, you should at least give it a chance to succeed. After all, you're trying to encourage this sort of behavior in an OSR-style game, whereas if every time the players come up with a plan, you just squash it down flat and don't even give it a chance to succeed, it really doesn't encourage that type of behavior, and the players will probably just resort back to dice rolling or using spells. Even if it's not a high chance of success, you should always at least let the players know that there has been a chance of success. And encourage players to think through their plans by, as the author says in this book, ask them how they do it. Get them to think through their plan and describe to you how it goes down. 
The next principle is build rocks and hard places, with the author exalting us to offer tough choices to the players. And again, this goes back to what I said earlier. It's that weighing risk versus reward. The deeper you press on into a dungeon, the wilderness, or any other setting in an old school game, typically the more dangerous it becomes. However, the rewards become commensurately higher. And it is not the GM's job, in my opinion, to say to the players, oh, you're too low level to go into the third level of this dungeon. No, what you should do is you should make, sort of telegraph a little bit what sort of threat level the area is going to be. And then you step back and you let the player characters make that decision. For instance, if you say the, the players ask the locals and they're told that an ancient red dragon lives in the mountains and once was the scourge of the area, torching villages with its fiery breath, but now it's mostly asleep on its mound of treasure, if the plucky first level player characters go, yeah, I reckon we can probably take on a dragon, you should allow them to do so. Whether they succeed through some random fluke of fortune or an ingenious plan, or whether they all get burnt to a crisp like marshmallows by the dragon, is down to how things play out. It's not your job to decide what is too tough or not tough enough for the player party. It's their job to look at the evidence and sort of weigh that risk versus reward. However, as the author says in this book, you should also sometimes subvert the players' expectations. And I'm aware that due to the fascination with the mystery boxes and twist and in inverted commas endings in TV and films recently, that subverting expectations has got something of a bad rap, and probably deservably so. But if it's handled judiciously, then it can be all right as long as it's used with a light touch. To go back to our example of the dragon, perhaps the dragon's actually long dead and it's a group of ogres who dwell in the mountain and they occasionally make massive smoky bonfires allowing the smoke to waft out of the cave exits in the mountain to preserve this fiction that the dragon is still alive and thus persuade predators and harder monsters to stay the hell away from their lair. Now, you shouldn't only do this just so that the, the player characters have an easier time defeating this dragon, because it could be something of a disappointment. You know, if you rock up there with your cunning plan, expecting to fight a dragon, and it's just some ogres, then yeah, it could be a bit of an anticlimax. But if used judiciously, it can put a bit of a twist on something, as well as encouraging the players to do a bit of their own investigation, rather than just rely on secondary sources. The booklet then goes on to, this, to exalt us to build challenges with multiple answers. And this is something that often comes up in mystery or sort of whodunit style scenarios where if you miss a clue or a particular answer and there's only that one answer to solve the riddle, then you're pretty much stuffed. Whereas if with a GM sort of builds in multiple answers, a little bit of redundancy into their scenarios, it allows more than one route in. And we see this at its most basic level when people talk about building dungeons. If you have a very linear dungeon with just one entrance, one exit, and one path through it, it's not as interesting as if there's multiple ways in, multiple ways out, staircases, tunnels, dead drops, um, shafts and stuff like that, all between different levels. That makes it a bit more interesting, and it's the same with puzzles. 
the next principle is dicing with death where it talks about make combat deadly and keep the pressure up and this goes hand in hand with what i was saying in the last episode where i talked about this where you're not supposed to go soft on the player characters you're not supposed to be overtly antagonistic towards them you present the world and you remain impartial and allow the player characters to move within that world as they wish and face the consequences or rewards of their action and the author even says hey you should let the dice kill the players if that's the way the cookie crumbles but you should telegraph that lethality and i talked a bit about that earlier where you should never make the decision for the player characters whether an area is too dangerous to go in but you should also give them clear signs that it is dangerous so if they do even the most minuscule amount of research and planning which let's face it they should be doing then they will know how potentially lethal it is and they can make that decision for right or wrong for themselves and the next principle is being the world and this is talking about how the gm is the window of the player's perception into the world everything their characters perceive is relayed by the gm you shouldn't be seeking to hide stuff from them that they could reasonably know but you should also give them deeper layers of information and law to peel back examine and explore if that's what the player character wishes to do also you should be having the world create this illusion that it's continuing to run in their absence and that npcs and events aren't just sort of in suspended animation until the player characters come across them or decide to act upon them and as i talked about in the last episode discussing the apophrica where i talked about having a bullet point list of what a group or an enemy is going to get up to if the player characters don't intervene by sort of progressing down that sort of that little chart or that list when the player characters aren't involved when the player characters do get involved or maybe they hear from secondhand sources about stuff that's going on it creates that illusion that things are ticking by in the background so if you hear that there is an orc warlord rousing a massive horde of barbaric warriors ready to sweep down upon the western kingdoms of man and you do nothing with it you're off adventuring elsewhere for five months then you come back and you find out that oh actually a hell of a load of like villages and towns to the west have been destroyed by this berserking horde it makes it feel like events have moved on it feels more like a real living breathing world that isn't just waiting for whatever you do and then reacting npcs groups monsters events are continuing to occur in the background and finally we have a section titled old school principles for players and these are just some last little tidbits of advice the first being learn when to run encounters might be deadly as we've said earlier they're not scaled so learn when discretion is the better part of valor combat is a war not a sport don't expect it to be balanced don't be limited by your character sheet and i think that's a very important thing don't just look at the number on your character sheets and think oh what can i do with these numbers think about how your character is their personality think about the information and knowledge you have as a player and bring that all to the fore to create this sort of ensemble character that can sort of think their way around problems rather than just reaching for their dice 
The next one is Live Your Backstory. And as I've said previously in many episodes, I'm not a fan of massively extensive backstories, but I like people who slowly drip feed little bits of their backstories into a game, but by the action their characters are taking, rather than just giving us a small booklet to read at the start of a session. Now, the I'm going to break a little bit from it, because that's pretty much where the principle of Apocrypha ends, but I'm going to end with one of the principles that I often talk about with my players, and that has served me quite well during the course of my GMing and playing career, and that is that the only way you lose in an RPG is if you do nothing. If you come up with a cunning plan and it doesn't work and everything goes wrong, chaos ensues and you have to extricate yourself from that scenario, you can still be having fun. If your plan goes off without a hitch and you win, you can be having fun. If you're doing anything or interacting with the world or NPCs or the other player characters, even if it's just like you're having a conversation around a campfire at the end of a hard day's dungeoning, you can still be having fun. The only time you lose is if you basically sit back and don't engage with either the world, the other players, or the NPCs. Because let's face it, that defeats the point of joining a game with a group of people. You're all there to interact. It's a game based solely in the imagination. I know VTTs and miniatures and stuff like that, but the majority of it happens within the imagination. And it happens as a, at its most basic as a group conversation between the player characters and the GMs. So get involved in that conversation. Think about how you play your character. Think about what information you have. Put it all together. Think of some cunning plans. Investigate what's going on in the world and get involved with it and you will have a great time following these principles of old school gaming. So there we are. That ends our look at the Principia Apocrypha for this OSR October. What did you think of the episodes? Have you got any primers that you'd like to recommend for me to take a look at in future related to old school play? Or would you like to talk about anything else related to OSR games? If so, drop us a message. You might be featured in a future voicemail episode, and you can do so in a few different ways. You can leave us a voicemail message either on SpeakPipe or Anchor, or if you want to send us an email, either via text or attaching an MP3 to it, then you can do so by emailing us at rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun. Mm-hmm.